0: You're listening to Work Hard, Parent Hard, a podcast by Mirza. Mirza is a company on a mission to close the gender pay gap. Our inaugural season, How to Dad, is all about masculinity and fatherhood for the modern parent. Hi, I'm Sarance Howe, and I'm the co-founder and CEO
1: of Mirza.
0: Hi, I'm Mel Faxon. I am the co-founder and CEO of Mirza, a company on the mission to close the gender pay gap.
1: Mel, this is the last episode of our season. I'm getting a little sentimental.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. It's pretty nuts to think about the fact that we've been working on this for about four months now, and it's finally come to an end, but I couldn't be happier that this is our final episode. I think this may be my favorite one of all of them.
1: Yeah, you're saying this morning that what people were saying was making you sentimental. It's all around.
0: Yeah, I mean, this episode talking with... I think four different dads at various stages of fatherhood and their experiences really was an incredibly heartwarming episode to to record and had so much just learning but also genuine touch points on humanity and how no one actually knows how to be a parent until they do it and I think that that was a pretty cool kind of current underlying the entire
2: entire talk.
0: All right, so to kick off, can you each please go around and introduce yourself?
2: I'm Kayvon. I'm an associate professor at London Business School. We have two year old and seven, two years and seven months. And his name is Kusha. He's uh, right now playing with his mom in the park. And it's been a wild journey having a small kid at home uh, during the lockdowns and everything.
3: Hi, I'm Peter. I am a CFO of a digital marketing company based in New York. My journey is I got married later in life. I met a wonderful woman and she had a grown daughter in college. So now I'm the proud father of a beautiful stepdaughter. I've also had two godsons. I saw them raised from being babies all the way up to grown adults.
4: I'm Lee. I guess I'm a retired financial person. I'm also politically active, and I also help my wife's real estate company. I have three biological children. They are grown up. They are 24, 27, and 30. And I also have a daughter-in-law who I've known for quite a while, and she might or might not be on this call.
1: In fact, I think she is. And that daughter-in-law is me. Hi.
5: Hi, Billy Jones, originally from Austin, Texas. I met Mel at London Business School and I took Kayvon's strategy class while at LBS. As far as kind of life events, I got married last year, finished my MBA last year, bought my first house a few months ago and found that I was pregnant. My wife was pregnant this summer. So I've really kind of ticked a lot of the boxes of adulthood in a very short time.
0: Awesome. Well, it's so nice to meet some of you for the first time to see some of you again. This is great. First kind of big question would be, what is the most rewarding part of being a dad? And maybe what's the most challenging part of being a dad? We can just tag team it.
2: I think the challenging part probably kind of changes a lot depending on the age, right? So not sleeping is probably the biggest challenge. And then the second one would be sort of maybe questioning a lot of the things that you do is like, is it going to have a long-term effect? Is he traumatized now for the rest of his life? Is he going to recover from that head fall first on the ground and stuff like that?
4: Yes. Yes. The answer is all yes. Most of it, I'm getting the answer <laughs>
2: nowadays, but I think for the past sort of two and a half years, you know, you gradually get the resolution, especially I think the first kid probably is like that. The second one, I would probably say, <laughs> it just fell on the head.
4: Something I would say to you is, and I'm, I know this isn't quite where we are, is there's some time window you can see ahead. I don't know if it's a year or two older than the age of your kid, but to worry anything beyond that, you really just can't see it. You need to live through what you're going through and maybe look a little bit ahead.
2: Yeah, the fact that I'm, I can sleep nowadays a little bit more than a year ago, that's for me, that's sort of a win. I think rewarding part is just seeing him growing up as a human being is, I know it's a little bit cliche, but the fact that he's just happy and learns really weird stuff and he asks really weird questions. This is the period that they learn really fast and this is kind of still fun. I think at some point I'm guessing this is plateau and I was like, are you getting stupid? You're not learning anymore, but I'm getting ahead of myself at this point.
1: So then, Lee, ignoring the fact that there might be children on this call, do you see a plateau?
4: In the big picture, the rewarding is everything. I think that it's, you know, one of the most surprising things to me has been how different each kid has been. And, you know, I worried, you know, one of the advantages of having multiple kids was when the kids were young, And my oldest child did certain things. I would blame myself or blame my wife or I didn't blame her or the nanny or the situation. Are we bad parents? And then we had a second child and they were so different. I could just remember my oldest was very quiet when he was young. He didn't talk that much. We thought we're not talking enough and to him and it's our fault. And then the next two came and they never shut up. So the whole process, how different they are and how they evolve, I mean, it's just been amazing. And it still goes on to today. My joke when the kids were young were with three kids, you know, this is when the high school and younger maybe, there was always one on the way up, one who was doing okay, and one who was having issues. And if we could keep it just to one at a time in that sense, it was like that. But it's hard because there's just so many years and so much, but it's just been the whole process, and it's still exciting till today with adult children.
0: Thanks so much for that, Lee. Peter, would you like to say what your most rewarding part has been?
3: So one of the, the challenges I faced was I was coming into a family that with a grown daughter already. So my challenge was, how do I create a now a more combined family with the three of us that I continue to keep a love and welcome home for our grown daughter? And so that was a challenge and I hopefully uh, successful in doing that. And the rewarding is seeing that she continues to grow as an individual. She's independent, but continues to push herself even further and further and then create a a new company for herself, which is fantastic.
1: I think part of the challenge that comes with that is that this this inherited daughter has many questions for you in the process of starting a company.
3: (laughs) And I'm happy to answer all of them.
4: (laughs) But you make an interesting point, though, because often with kids, it's being there at the right time and the right stage they're at when they need the advice. You can give all the advice you want and hopefully you're modeling good behavior. But sometimes it's just critical to be there at the time when they're ready to listen or or interested in listening or need your help. And that is a very rewarding time when they actually, you know, come to you and want your help. But it's, you know, it's, it's not obvious always. In this case, maybe it was, Peter, but it's not always obvious. You know what the right time is or when that's going to happen
3: very true i
2: think the opposite of it especially when they're small even when they're small i think i would say is also very kind of challenging to get used to it that they don't want you it's very true like you know there was a period that he just didn't want any advice from me i know advice is a kind of weird thing to say to a two-year-old but it's like no i'm not going to listen to you whatever mom says (laughs) And, and it's kind of weird that this sounds important but when you have a small kid, it was like, why are you preferring your mom to me? What did happen in the two minutes that I was not with you in the pandemic? But it's kind of an interesting situation.
0: Amazing. How do you define masculinity? And what does being a good dad or what would being a good dad mean to you? Billy, why don't you kick us
5: off? My own answer to that has probably evolved. You know, just kind of, I think the whole view of masculinity in society has changed pretty dramatically like even in my own lifetime kind of things like strength leadership you know poise and your ability to kind of control a room is kind of how i traditionally think of masculinity everyone you know has has tried to become more awoke to the fact that you know just having that ideal out there is is pretty toxic you know you don't always have to be this strong stoic type you know it's uh A huge part of your masculinity is your ability to tap into your emotions and relate to other people as opposed to kind of being this, you know, someone who can just influence or control or guide other people. So, I mean, I think for myself and kind of how I think about the father I want to be, it's one that, you know, somehow does kind of need to have, you know, some of those kind of older, old school, you know, bits of, you know, being able to be a leader, being strong. Kind of calm in the face of a lot of adversity, but also kind of the more modern definition as well. You know, really being able to kind of relate and get kind of to that, that next level of emotion and connection with my family and my children. I'm a
0: huge fan of that approach and that definition, you know, just the ethos of this podcast, but thank you. Lee, why don't you go next?
4: I was born in 1960 and my parents were very unusual because... Throughout the whole time I was growing up, both my mother and my father worked, and my father was very supportive of my mother's career. So when I got married and my wife worked and I worked, we continued both working while we had kids and we had nannies and help like that. So to some extent, even then, we were growing up in a little less of what was a traditional situation, not that there is one but because of geography and other things, I was often the one more around sort of managing the kids' schedules even when we were both working. So the way I parented it as a dad and trying to support my children, I honestly don't think I thought masculinity. You touched on, on role
1: modeling is so important. There's actually research that in traditional families and these traditional gender role families in which mom works very little, and dad is the breadwinner, there's actually a larger child penalty or motherhood penalty when when the daughter becomes a mother herself. And that kind of gender identity and what are the norms and the roles of both parents are imprinted from such a young age. And that's the behavior that we then model ourselves in the future.
4: Yeah, it's very interesting. So my wife and I both worked, went through nannies, went through a lot of that, and then actually when my oldest, the aforementioned Adam, was in high school, the way my career was going, I had something I wanted to do. I actually stopped working, and I stayed home with the kids from then, you know, through them going off to college and things while my wife continued to work. My brother, who's the second in line, had kids later in life. He's at home with the kids, and his wife works. And she works very hard. And that's kind of where his life landed. And my sister, who's never had kids and got married a little later, is a school teacher. So she spends a ton of time with kids and works very hard. She's an elementary art teacher. So, you know, you got to wonder if some of our comfort in doing things in different ways, some of it could be circumstance and who we married, and some of it just could be that we grew up with a different set of role models.
1: My husband and your son does a lot around the house, probably more than I do. Mel is laughing because she knows that probably is a, in fact, he does. So maybe he's banking on Mirza really takes off and he can just rely on me working. Peter, what do you think?
3: I would say I grew up in a more traditional household where the father was the breadwinner and supported the family and my mom was stay-at-home mom he had to work two jobs so he really was away quite often. So my mom basically had to take almost like a dual role. So some of the neighborhood kids were kind of shocked that like playing ball my mom would be playing catch with me. Probably the only mother in the neighborhood that did that. (laughs) And so all the uh, actually other kids were a little jealous. So I think I grew up with a more nuanced view Uh, Even though I was in a more traditional household, uh, for me, the masculinity is to help create and support an environment where the, the kids can do their best that they can, and that they're always welcome and that they allow them to spread the wings as much as possible.
0: I imagine giving space might be a little bit more difficult with a toddler. Kayvon, do you want to share your answer
2: with us? I don't really know the definition partly because I wasn't really exposed to the word as much. Maybe because also, language wise, we didn't have an exact sort of translation for it in in the sense that people talk about it in English language countries. But also partly because the physical part of masculinity was never part of our childhood when we were growing up. Um, my dad kind of did sports, but we weren't really not like. We were not really involved as much. We, we, I used to play kind of football, soccer as a kid, but it, it wasn't really sort of part of the definition of being a guy in our household. There was really no physical attachment. I didn't grow up with superheroes, so none of those was really sort of associated in my mind with masculinity as much, but it was kind of traditional in the sense that my, my dad was a workaholic, And he was going through the medical residency when my brother after me, one year after me, was born. And so my mom had to stop working. She was a nurse. And I think even today, my mom still regrets that. And my dad is still a workaholic. And I love both of them, but I think a lot of my effort sort of after marrying Peria and then sort of thinking about having a kid and now having a kid, I had the tendency of being a workaholic like my dad. And it's been just educating myself constantly or actually letting my wife educating me mostly she's a psychotherapist so hopefully hopefully she knows what she's doing but um kind of educating myself not kind of not to fall in the same sort of dynamics that my parents fell into and kind of being available to me is sort of the most important part of it kind of having a balanced sort of situation sure i need to work my wife also needs to work but also I need to be around and I need to help and I need to be emotionally available and I need to be physically available to the extent possible. So for me, really sort of, I'm kind of in constant pursuit of finding the right balance.
1: It's also so different across different cultures. When I moved to the States, I was eight years old and there's a very different expectation of what is femininity and what is masculinity between Singapore where I lived before and the US and I think the terminology wasn't something that you learn as a as an 8-year-old kid but you see the behaviors that are encouraged and you see the behaviors that are normal and then you you're socialized through TV and people at school and learn well, what is expected of me as, as a girl? And then what is expected of the boys? And I think that piece of just going back to what we see as kids really matters.
2: Yeah, and I never actually thought about that question ever. Like it's one of those things that, I don't know, maybe kind of immigrating late and just hearing things later in your life kind of opens up. It's like, oh, this is a topic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. It is funny because I don't think I ever would have asked about masculinity or femininity growing up either. I would go back again to childhood about like, oh, this is how I manifested those traits and then these traits and not just, like you don't really learn that in a sit down, this is what it is, but you learn it over time.
5: I thought it was super interesting how at least three out of four answers here, when when asked this question, how do you define masculinity, three out of four Harken back to kind of a childhood story to kind of anecdotally explain how we got to what our view of masculinity is, which is frightening for me, but um, super interesting, I thought.
1: I think we should turn this a bit over to Billy and put you in the hot seat. What questions do you have for dads who are at different stages of their parenting process?
5: I think one question I have more for Lee, specifically, is what were the hardest years? Generally speaking, was it kind of the earlier years, or 10 to 15, or, you know, was it when they were in high school getting in trouble or anything like that? be kind of curious to see your thoughts on kind of the arc and what, what you kind of thought just as they grew and what you thought was kind of the most difficult, most enjoyable even as well.
4: Well, from the hardness, it's an interesting question because you know, and again, you know, you got to put it in the context of what you're doing. You know, we we were crazy busy when the kids were young. We're both working. We had help at home. Things were kind of crazy. Uh, And the kids were growing up and it was exciting. But I don't, you know, again, time can make a difference. I don't remember that. That was hard in a process, kind of way. How do you get everybody where they need to be? How do you get everything done? How do you get sleep? How do you get, you know, all the different, you're learning so much about whether it's like taking kids to sports, schools, you know, We you worry a lot about your kids. What's the best for them? And what are you going to do for them? So it was hard and maybe from an energy perspective and it was fun, but I don't think a lot of the little kid problems were that hard in the sense, I don't know, I don't want to say they're not serious, but I think as the kids get older and they develop there's sort of two different trends that come up. You want to protect them, and they're pulling away, and that's very scary. And then they might start having problems, whether they're health problems or academic problems, or you're concerned, are they really growing up and relating well in the world? And you kind of start losing control of them, but they also really need your help.
3: And with my uh, two godsons, one of the most difficult things we faced was... As they were younger, they were very, very close to parents and also to myself and a few others. And we helped control, or shall we say, enjoy their lives with them. As they got closer to high school and once in high school, there was a almost like a separation. And that was emotionally very, very hard on the parents and myself, because they no longer now really wanted to be with you or really listen very carefully to you. Now they really want to spread their wings and be independent. And though that's what they need to do, but it's still very hard on the parents.
4: One of the ways I think kind of coped with that to some extent, and it helped a lot, especially when I stopped working was to kind of, and it started with my oldest son did all his sports is if he's going to do sports, you know, bring him to all the games, watch the games, kind of enable your kids' interests. You know, he wanted to play on all these teams. Some parents say, draw the lines. and Let him play on the teams. You have to drive him to the games. It kind of puts you together with them. You'd see more. And also you'd be there if they did want your support to some extent, which is hard because I know a couple of you grew up with parents who weren't around very much. And the mother took more of that than the father. And I think being there is often the time, you know, being around for when they need you as they get older becomes more important because you can't call when that is as much.
0: The last thing that we want to ask, just to kind of wrap up, what advice, like if you just had one piece of advice for other dads, what would that be?
2: For me, really sort of at the very earliest stage, I would say you know, try to be around and enjoy it. It's, it goes so fast, especially because they change so fast early on. Time is both very slow, but also kind of in, in retrospect is very, very fast. If you can be there and to the extent you can enjoy it, that would be at least for, you know, my biggest advice for the early years.
3: I agree. Be available, enjoy the time and don't work. Don't be a workaholic. Try to spend as much time as you can.
4: I agree with being there for the kids. And as I said earlier, being there when it's hard to be there when they need you the most. I would also say, and I'm not saying I've been particularly good at this either way, but listen to them, see what their needs are, and I really think it's important to support them in their interests and what they want to do, especially for kids. If there's something they're really interested into, it could be Lego, it could be playing baseball, it could be Dungeons and Dragons. But if they're interested in something, try to support them and help them with that. Because I think one of the hardest things of growing up is, okay, we can, you can do school and you can do all the things you're supposed to do and learn all the things you're supposed to learn. But... You know, you ever ask like a teenager, what do you want to do? And they say, I don't know, you know, leave me alone or whatever. Is that if they do come up with a passion, even if it's something that doesn't even make sense to you, help them, support them, allow them to kind of, exp- because they learn a lot from themselves by doing that.
0: Amazing. Well, this has been really, really nice. I just feel like you guys are all really good dads. And this has been so nice to just to kind of hear your stories and your perspectives. And thank you so much for sharing with us. I know these are big questions and these are kind of defining moments for a lot of our lives. So thank you very much for for sharing.
1: Well, that's a wrap on season one. Happy holidays, everyone. From all of us at Mirza, thank you for joining us. To get more information about us, please visit our website. It is heymirza.com
0: and in case you're wondering mirza is m-i-r-z-a you can also follow us on social instagram facebook and twitter at mirza says hey we also have a youtube channel uh, mirza musings because we love alliteration work hard parent hard is hosted by saran sow and mel Faxon. It is produced by Connor Arthurs, sound engineered by Georgina Han, who also wrote and composed our theme song.